0: The CDC issued new guidance for reopening schools that boils down to just reopen the dang schools. Gosh, what's the real meaning behind Taylor Swift's new song, Betty? We investigate. And our favorite advice columnist and yours, Stephen Conti, is back to answer your most pressing relationship questions.
1: The date, July 24th, 2020.
0: The time, News O'Clock. Hey, everyone, I'm Hayes Brown.
1: And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock.
0: Uh, once more, happy Friday, Casey.
1: I'm so happy it's Friday because I thought yesterday was Friday. <laughs> so it means today is actually Friday.
0: It gives a sense of double Friday in a way. Like, oh man, <laughs> exactly. I was so happy for this. I definitely treated excited.
1: yesterday like Friday.
0: Oh so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? You pounded several beers before bed? How was it how are you treating it like Friday?
1: It was the energy I was emitting.
0: Oh, yeah. Given the energy that I am currently emitting to, I I know exactly what you mean. That sort of semi-frantic, like, I'm almost free energy that just vibrates into the world. Yeah, I get you. Okay, time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. The GOP will no longer be holding an in-person convention this year as coronavirus cases have exploded in Florida. The convention was originally set to be held in Charlotte, North Carolina, but President Trump, who felt that North Carolina's COVID-related precautions were overly restrictive, insisted that it move to Jacksonville, Florida instead last month. Since the Trump campaign made that announcement on June 11th, the case rate in Jacksonville has skyrocketed by over 1,900%. In contrast, Charlotte has managed to hold its coronavirus caseload relatively steady since that time. In his newly revived daily coronavirus briefing yesterday, President Trump acknowledged that holding an IRL convention in Florida no longer made sense. Instead, the focus will be on tele-rallies, which is interesting because according to the Washington Post, the Trump organization just recently applied for a patent for the term tele-rally. Meanwhile, the CDC issued new guidelines for reopening schools in the fall, and it basically boils down to, eh, fuck it, who cares, send them back to school no matter what. The documents posted on the CDC's website on Thursday include one titled, The Importance of Reopening America's Schools This Fall. Without providing much in the way of data or science, the document argues that keeping schools closed is a much bigger risk to kids than the coronavirus, especially in communities where transmission rates are low. Public health experts on Twitter were quick to point out that the document doesn't address things like how will students be prevented from infecting their caretakers or what schools should do when the transmission rates are high. According to the Washington Post, some of the guidance was actually written by the White House, not the CDC. But as BuzzFeed News reports, despite President Trump clearly wanting to make an election issue out of this, he's not exactly winning over the voters he needs in states like Wisconsin.
1: I mean, we're just in overall an incredibly tough situation that shows how underprepared and ill-equipped America is for a pandemic like this, because really, it's like if we don't send the kids to school, then it's these parents who need to make money. And how do they find someone to caretake? But if we do send them to school, now we have to worry about the teachers and infection rates. It's really a lose-lose situation that we've not figured out yet.
0: It is. And it's wild how people get that. But leaders don't because in that buzzfeed news story uh molly hensley clancy who was out in wisconsin she spoke to a bunch of votes. Two dozen women voters out in like the suburbs of Wisconsin. And it, they all all very nuanced takes on it. They were all not really sure like they want their kids back in school. They don't want them to have to suffer. They didn't want to go back to work, but they know it's not safe. And so without having leaders who acknowledge that and try and work around that and figure out what to do, they're just kind of stuck, which makes it all the weirder that President Trump is trying to make this a very heavily black or white political issue. Either the schools are open and he's right or they don't, and you're against the president. Mm. Casey, what's going on on your end today?
1: Oh, well, baseball started up yesterday in a very delayed opening day, and it was... Super weird. I mean, it was it was just weird. I, I watched the Yankees game. Uh, surprisingly, even though I'm in L.A., I am a Yanks fan. My dad grew up in New York City. so I can't um, support you on that one, but you know, continue. <laughs> so anyways, the New York Yankees played against the reigning World Series champions, the Washington Nationals. Go Nats. Hours before the game began, Nationals player Juan Soto tested positive for coronavirus, reminding everyone that there is still no guarantee that athletes will be 100% protected while playing. Also, Dr. Anthony Fauci threw out the ceremonial first pitch, and it came nowhere near home plate. (laughs) The game ended early, though, when a torrential downpour cut things short. And then on the West Coast, the L.A. Dodgers played the San Francisco Giants. And even though fans weren't allowed into Dodger Stadium, the team found a way to keep people involved Kind of. The Dodgers have given fans the option to pay between $150 to $300 to be able to submit their picture so that a cardboard cutout version of themselves can watch the game from the stands. (laughs)
0: Oh, wow. That's a level that I can never imagine <laughs> obtaining in terms of sports fandom.
1: You know, I think it's kind of funny. And honestly, I will say, even though that's like absolutely ridiculous, it is nice to see those faces there, because when I watch the Yankees and Nationals game, it's just like completely empty. And I will say, I know before when we were talking about soccer and we were like, oh, they're putting like fake crowd noises in the background. So it sounds like people's there. Turns out that is a much better than I idea. Than it being completely silent because I was just it was sad and then when someone hit a home run the announcer was like and the ball will sit there for eight or nine more innings and
2: Jesus Christ (laughs) that's
1: so weirdly dystopian what kind of
0: like weird Wes Anderson baseball game it literally
1: it literally the camera was a close up of a ball by itself in the stands it was so depressing I'm hearing
0: like sad violin music in my head (laughs) it's slowly rolls down the stairs. Exactly. Werner Herzog is narrating over it. As the ball rolls down the stairs, so too must life roll on.
1: Okay, okay. Even though I didn't know sports could make me laugh this much, we have to move on. Because we have to talk about Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore. But more specifically, the new song everyone is talking about, Betty. If you haven't heard it yet, here's the song's hook.
3: But if I just showed up at your party, would you have me? Would you want me?
2: Would you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden in the garden? Would you trust me if I told you it was just a
1: summer thing? I'm only 17. I don't know anything. Okay, so now fans are saying that the song could actually be about Taylor's rumored former relationship with Carly Kloss. Yes, that Carly Kloss. At first listen, the song seems as if it's Taylor singing a song about a girl named Betty. But there's a line that suggests it might actually be a song from the perspective of a guy named James who's singing about a girl named Betty. But here's where things get interesting because, yes, I have searched every tweet that there is about all of the theories about this. <laughs> Carly Kloss' middle name is Elizabeth, a.k.a. Betty, and Taylor Swift was named after James Taylor, a.k.a. the James in the song. So, Hayes doesn't seem convinced, but I am very convinced. (laughs) (laughs) And there are a few other clues that Swifties have found that support the theory that this song is about Taylor and Carly's rumored relationship. But, of course, to go against that theory, there's also the fact that Taylor said that Betty is actually connected to two other songs on the album. Together, they tell the story of a love triangle where each of the songs is told from the perspective of a different person, which means that James could just be a made up character. But also, now just everyone is asking the age old question is it gay or is it queer baiting? And as someone who has been queer baited by media and celebs her whole dang life, I honestly think that this song is up for interpretation. I think it would be wildly insensitive of an artist to bait with a whole album after presumably knowing that her fans very much know about the rumors about her and Carly, which, which Taylor, uh, there's no way she doesn't know. So I just don't know that she would do that. But at the end of the day, all I know is that this song is filled with so much queer angst, regret, memories of high school feelings and love.
0: I I gotta say, yeah, I agree on all of those things. It is a very sad, romantical kind of album. It seems like the instrumentations really take me back to high school. It, re- in it a really does. Way.
1: And and I also, not only does it take people back to high school, I just want to talk about how it is the most like cottagecore dream ever. And if you don't use the term cottagecore, it's all over TikTok right now. But there's literally lines, a line in one of her songs that's about like, The braids in a girl's hair. And I'm like, cottage core, cottage (laughs) core.
0: Okay, define cottage core really quickly for anyone who has never run across the term
1: hmm. freckles, braids, fairies, woods, picnic.
0: I see you I see you. a lot of gingham yes, going yes. on a lot of dried uh-huh, flowers uh-huh. on the wall <laughs> that you picked in a meadow somewhere Exactly I get it okay a tea kettle <laughs> yes. that's kind of quirkily quirkily uh-huh. colored that tea uh-huh. kettle it's never probably just silver. probably like a I see this. yellow <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe a seafoam yes, exactly. green Yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay, I i want us to dive into this more, but we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got the one and only Stephen Lacanti back with us to answer more of your questions about life and love. Stay right there.
1: At Chief It, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast.
3: Now the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason.
2: It's playoff time.
3: We got to win. NFL playoff tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action and the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit nfl.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's nfl.com slash tickets. The NFL is back and the NFL app has you covered. Welcome
1: back. Joining us again today is BuzzFeed writer and expert advice giver, Stephen LaConte. If you haven't gotten the chance to hear him on our show before or read his articles, here's the deal. Stephen keeps his DMs open on Twitter and Instagram all the time, so anyone can ask him for help with their problems. And he's back on the show again to give some advice to our listeners. Welcome back, Stephen.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I missed you guys. (laughs) Aw, we missed you
0: too. Okay, first up. Got a fresh installment of DM911. Stephen, we're going to read you some dilemmas from your DMs and you're going to share some gems of wisdom. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The first one is from a person who writes I've been with my now husband for five years and he's never given me an orgasm. I have point out things I've enjoyed him doing, but I'm afraid of saying anything that might make him feel less than. He is amazing in every other aspect, wonderful husband, father, and my biggest supporter. It's just this one thing. So, what do you think, Stephen?
2: Okay, so I think the first thing that caught my attention here was that you said you don't want to say anything to your husband that might make him feel less than. That's a nice, generous approach to this, but it's actually not a good approach to this. The only way to address this is with frank, open, honest communication. And that means telling him point blank that you aren't having orgasms and that you'd like to try some different things in bed so you can get there. And this is really going to be an important test for your husband. If he's a good partner, he'll really care that you haven't been getting off and he'll want to do everything in his power to fix it. If he's a bad partner, (laughs) he's gonna turn this around on you, make it about his own bruised ego and his own hurt feelings and continue to operate under that status quo sex life where he's the only one who gets off. You say he's an amazing guy, so let's assume that he chooses the good partner route. I I really hope so. And if that's the case, then moving forward, I think there's one rule that you and your husband have to agree to right now. And that rule is that sex doesn't end until both of you have an orgasm. And those orgasms, they don't have to happen at the exact same time or in the same way. In fact, except in movies, that usually isn't what happens. Uh, For your husband, uh, he might be able to get off through easily through penetration. But for you, it's probably going to take something different. That might be oral sex, toys, uh, him touching you, you touching yourself, really any activity that gives you an orgasm is valid. And I think it's important for you to bring that activity into your sex life together. And the last thing I'll say about this, if after communicating with your husband and experimenting together, you still aren't having orgasms, you might want to find a therapist, whether it's a couples therapist or like a specific sex therapist who can help you navigate this. This issue is extremely common. I know that because I get a lot of DMs that are basically this exact same problem. And there are professionals. Steps that you can take to make it better. So don't be afraid to call an expert if you need an expert.
1: And then I think I would just like make one amendment to that. I think like what you're saying, like you had said that sex doesn't end until they both orgasm. And I think that can be until they get to a place where they want to be. And then after that, I don't think it requires both people to orgasm during sex for it to be sex. If someone you know, isn't going to get there. Absolutely. And all you have to do is be open and communicative about it. Like that's the, at the end of the day, that's what you have to do.
2: For sure. And Casey, as an amendment to your amendment, I would mm. also say another valid exercise would be maybe they have sex in a in a situation where she's the only one who has an mm-hmm. orgasm. Yes, that might definitely. be worth it for them to do as well. So there's a lot of different ways to play this, but definitely mm-hmm. uh, your orgasm matters. It's important. And you should start having a sex life where you get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Sex amendments one through 20. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Here's another person who needs your expert advice, Steven. She's been having problems with her boyfriend of two years lately and is thinking of taking a break or breaking up, but here's the problem. They are freshmen in college and we're already planning on sharing a house with four other students soon. So the question is, do you think it's wise to live in the same house with your ex considering you're still good friends and on good terms?
2: Okay. Well, If the question is, is it okay to live together if you're good friends on good terms, (laughs) the thing is, if you live together, you won't be good friends on good terms, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Two years is a long relationship, and I think you need some real time and space apart before you could ever realistically pursue a friendship, let alone a roommate relationship. I think there are just so many opportunities for disaster here. Like, imagine trying to bring, like, a date home and your ex is in the living room, or or, or flip that imagine being in your living room and your ex brings home a date um if you guys have a big explosive fight you would have nowhere you could escape to I, i'm also curious about your other two roommates because you said there's four of you the other two roommates in the situation like how would they feel about being forced to live with a f- very fresh pair of exes and, and then i also just think like you know you're going into your second year of university and like it's really important that you set yourself up for academic success, that you have a place where you can focus on your studies, where you can get work done. And I just worry that like your your, your education could take a hit if you've put yourself in an environment that is really stressful and dramatic. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're breaking up with someone, it's because you want distance from them. And I really don't think you're gonna get that distance if you're living under the same roof. So no, I, I don't think you should move in with this guy if he's going to be your ex. But I'm also gonna take it one step further and say, maybe you shouldn't move in with this guy, even if you decide to stay together. Uh, If you're having problems with this boyfriend, If you're at a place where you're thinking you might need a break or a breakup, it sounds like this isn't a good time to take things to the next level of moving in together. There are clearly some problems in the relationship right now, and those problems are not likely to get better once you live together. In fact, being forced into the same physical space is probably going to magnify all those problems by like a factor of 10. I think this is a time to pump the brakes, not step on the gas.
1: Yeah, I I think that's what I was hung up on, too, too, when she said thinking of taking a break or breaking up. And I'm like, well, if you're still deciding between those two, it's like oh, uh, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where like everything that happens is like on a pedestal of like looking like judging. Right. Like if you should or shouldn't. And being in that same shared space is just like not going to be good to figure out what you want and need.
0: Right. There's no way to set up proper boundaries in that situation at all. They, like everything would bleed into each other in a really horrible horror show kind of way.
2: Yeah, I think this one's a recipe for disaster. Uh, she wrote in the DM that she already has the house, so I'm not sure if she's saying that because like maybe she's put down money on it or something, but if there's any way to get like, you know, a subletter in there or or even to take the financial hit and just just in the interest of getting yourself a physical space that you're comfortable in, I think that might be worth it.
0: Okay, Stephen, that was some really great nuanced advice. But we want to see if you can do it under a bit more pressure with a lightning round of makeup or breakup. Here's how it works. We're going to present you with a scenario based on a real message you received. And you have to quickly decide if they need to make up or break up.
1: OK, Stephen, you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> OK, here's the first one. My boyfriend watched porn and I've always been OK with it, but I found out that he video chatted with random girls and he took screenshots. He claims it means nothing to him. Should I believe him?
2: Uh, No, you should not believe him. You should break up. It's only porn if the actors can't see you. (laughs) Damn, that's a really solid point. Wow.
0: Okay, moving right along. The next person says that they are in love with their boyfriend of five years, but they sometimes get sad about being together exclusively and feel like they miss out on other dates experiences they could have had. Should they make up or break up?
2: They should make up. Uh, Crushes are normal. Crushes are fun. You can enjoy your crushes, but I don't think you should break up with someone you're deeply in love with over a crush.
0: Mm, Fair.
1: All right, Stephen, here's the last one. This person writes, my boyfriend loves to call me by my sister and my mom's names during bedroom time. Should they make up or break up?
2: Uh, They should break up. If that's not a warning sign, I don't know what a warning sign is. And I'm pretty sure if I didn't tell you to break up in this situation, I would get fired yes absolutely
0: <laughs> that's not a breakup that's a run situation yeah, in my that, book that's that a is head a- for the hills Flee, net block, delete, all of the above. That that is, how does that even come up? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Does he just let it slip out, or did he warn you before it? I just have too many questions about this. No,
1: it says loves to call me by my sister and my mom's names, which means it has definitely happened multiple times. Like
0: Uh, so many questions, so many questions. All of the
2: answers bad. (laughs) Look, it's a little bit shocking, but if you see what my DMs look like, (laughs) nothing will shock you that much anymore.
1: (laughs) Well then, Stephen, we cannot wait to have you back to go over them. <laughs> Thank you yes, so much exactly. for joining us again.
2: Thanks for having me, you guys. I love it here. It's so fun.
0: Listeners, if you're in a tough spot and need Stephen's advice, you can just email us. Just open the voice memo app on your phone. Tell us all about your dilemma and send it to NewsO'clock at buzzfeed.com. That's news o'clock, all one word at buzzfeed, or you can DM us on Twitter where we're also at news o'clock. Oh, and we'll make sure to keep you anonymous.
1: That's it for this week. We'll be back on Monday talking with BuzzFeed news reporters Craig Silverman and Ryan Mack about their bombshell report on the internal strife at Facebook. And
0: remember, person, woman, man, camera, TV. This brain is like a steel trap, y'all. <laughs> oh, God, it still.
1: <laughs> news O'Clock is produced by Dan Bauza, Hibba el Alan Haberchak, and Sierra Tall.
0: Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesh Attikader, Samantha Hinnick, Patrick McMiniman, and Tommy Wesley.
1: Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories.
0: And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. Reviews are a great way for new people to find the show, and we'd love to get your feedback. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock.
1: give us your attention we need everything you got fast waiting on reparations we be the illest podcast
3: tune in every thursday politics and wordplay we fight for the people because they got us in the worst way from
1: the hill to brazil bombay to kanye
3: from the left enclave to what the neocons say
1: every thursday cop
2: the heady conversation and
3: And break us off with some bread because we waiting waiting on on reparations. reparations listen to waiting on reparations on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts